Truth Espresso, episode 276. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso, to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. <sighs> this is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hello there, and welcome all you friends, family foes, and of course, lurkers alike. This is your host, Daniel Minnick, and with me is my sweet, beautiful wife and co-host, Chelsea. Thank you for doing another episode of Truth Espresso with me. Thanks for having me. As this year 2024 gets off to a great start, especially also with the politics going on and some documents being unsealed from a Jeffrey Epstein case a few years ago, we're going to talk in this episode about redaction. When we get documents, uh, court documents, legal documents that have those strange little black bars covering up words and stuff. So we want to talk about that and look at redaction from a biblical perspective. So, sweetheart, what is redaction? Is there like a definition of redaction? I think a good place to look at what redaction means is in the Cambridge Dictionary. And we'll have a link to that in your notes, too. So it says that to redact means to remove words or information from a text before it is printed or made available to the public. So that's a good basic definition of it. And of course, when it comes to fleshing out a full applicable legal definition of redact, there's some criteria for what should be redacted. Also, we want to try to figure out what shouldn't be redacted. It does make sense that some information, especially when they're parties to a lawsuit and they have grievance with each other and they know each other, not everything should be made for the whole world to be able to see. So I was looking at an article from One Legal entitled, What Does Redacted Mean in Law? Where did this practice of redacting some information start? especially in the United States, and it says, quote, originating from national security concerns during World War I and II, redactions gained significance in the Cold War era involving manual edits to protect classified details. The Freedom of Information Act, or FOIA, of 1966 introduced controlled information release but necessitated redaction for national security, privacy, and law enforcement reasons, unquote. And so we see that there's a practice that caught on in the legal world that makes sense. There's some things that national security, you don't want other countries to be able to just get information about how counterintelligence works in our country. You know, that makes perfect sense. And 
Privacy, yeah. As I said, you have parties in a contract dispute, or maybe you have a criminal case, and you need witnesses to come to the stand, and they have to be asked questions to be able to determine if the accused is guilty, and so they have to get sensitive information that needs to stay in that court for determining the outcome, but the public shouldn't know private details about witnesses or the defendant, even if that defendant um, is not guilty and stuff, people could get targeted. Someone can just not like someone or just decide, hey, if I get private information from someone public, you know, why not pay him a visit? Why not mail him something? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is important to redact stuff. Sweetheart, can you give a few examples of maybe some data points that are common, you know, and necessary to redact in legal documents? Yes. So it kind of reminds me of just even in medical practice, too. We always have to be careful. I mean, medical practice is guided by HIPAA, the Health Information Protection Act, but there are certain things that just kind of make sense that, yeah, you don't want that information out there. So some of the things that we think about for being redacted would be your social security number or taxpayer identification number. So a lot of times just the last four digits are listed if that's something that needs to be referenced in some way. Date of birth, then they have restrictions like only the year of birth is on there if that is something that's needed. And names of minor children, only initials are permitted. For a home address, they say to only have the city and state if they need to have some of this information. And then financial accounts, of course, only using the last four digits for that. And then any other court orders about sensitive information can be on a case-by-case situation. And you can find more information about some of this on caseguard.com. And that kind of goes through a few more details of what is typically redacted or trying to minimize information being released to the public. There can be other things, including like driver's license number, just anything where someone can try to impersonate someone else. You know, if you're filling out a form online, someone might be able to take advantage of someone else's life. And of course, we know things like voting rolls and dead people's names, dead people raised to life again to vote and all kinds of stuff like that. Things that should be kept confidential. And one reason that people might be able to use this stuff if it isn't kept private or redacted is to impersonate people. Another example is um, trade secrets or proprietary data. So the way some companies do business is that they have to have things kept secret, kind of like a secret recipe. Or you might sell food products, but you want to keep the recipe secret so you don't have competitors just knock off your product easily when it took you a long time to figure that out. Things like that can be redacted when you have some kind of dispute in court. So, so far what we've talked about with redaction, it sounds like it's a good thing. It's a way to protect people and to not cause harm and be able to like still allow the public to view certain documents and stuff. 
So what is all the craziness recently? I mean, just even over the last few years that's been going on, we hear about redaction so much. I don't ever remember hearing the word redaction as much as I have in these last couple of years. Is there a good way of using redaction and then a not so good way to use redaction? Yeah, so a good way of using redaction would be things that would be necessary to protect the innocent. (laughs) I would say anything that someone is hauled into court or they have to testify or even someone who is accused of a crime, let's say it's some theft and they got to pay a fine or spend a little bit of time in jail, but otherwise they'd be released back into society like they paid their dues, but we don't have to have all of their private information release so that they can't be reintegrated into society if they've paid their penalty. They don't need to have their life destroyed and face death threats because people got a hold of their private information. So yes, definitely redaction should protect the innocent or reasonably protect reasonably guilty people. (laughs) But what redaction shouldn't be is in the case of protecting the guilty from being brought to justice, trying to keep evil deeds secret so that otherwise, if that evil deed was known or the public would then demand that that person be brought properly to justice to face a trial because they committed murder or committed fraud and the victims of such things haven't really had justice to help them out because the perpetrators have been hiding. So yeah, a bad use of redaction is then to protect the guilty. For example, if this is records that are going public... That makes more sense because you don't have control over who all is going to be reading those documents. So keeping some of that information more confidential makes sense. But it sounds like what's happening too now in these last few years is that they're having so much redaction, like they're calling it heavily redacted, where there's full pages that are totally blacked out for a small specific court-appointed committee that those are people that are supposed to review as much detail and information as possible, and they're upheld to keeping that information confidential themselves. They're not allowed to see this, and so then they can't make good decisions based on just seeing blacked-out papers in front of them. So it seems like they're trying to keep the redacted information not only for the public, but also for these small private meetings as well, And it seems maybe that's not the best way to use redaction. When it comes to what we see in legal cases, some documents can start off being sealed, which means that the whole document itself is kept under wraps. But then sometimes if you get a Freedom of Information Act request or a FOIA request... There can be a requirement for a government agency, like if it's related to the agency's inner workings, they have to release it within like 20 business days. But if they release it, they can redact things that are supposed to be sensitive. And oftentimes, more recently, we're seeing documents being unsealed and released, but heavily redacted. And then the controversy arises, well, is it necessary to redact all that they did? Are they just covering names of innocent people so they don't get doxxed? 
hunted down or whatever by weirdos or are they protecting the actions of people like okay public figures names that we already know there's information about them that's already public but redacting actions that they did that really could indicate wait why aren't you haven't you been brought to trial over this things like redacting things that um a government agency does that's really against the public interest like wait a minute this is our government doing things that's unconstitutional and we're redacting that so that the public doesn't see so they can scrutinize their own government things like that should not be redacted for example, there's an explanation from the Project on Government Oversight uh, in an article entitled, The Most Abused Freedom of Information Act Exemption Still Needs to be Reined In. And they talk about how the Department of Homeland Security seems to be the biggest abuser of redaction when it like So the Freedom of Information Act has, I believe, nine exemptions for what would be required for them to release that allows them to redact it. And Exemption 5, which includes privileged communications within or between agencies, and that seems to be the biggest excuse that the Department of Homeland Security will use for redacting something. So this article from POGO, or Project on Government Oversight, says, quote, While many agencies use the exemption, Exemption 5, the Department of Homeland Security uses it far more frequently than any other agency. In the last 10 years, the department was responsible for more than half of the government's use of Exemption 5. So we have one department that think this department was created in the 21st century. It was created by President George W. Bush after 9-11. And we already had a Department of Defense, but yet for some odd reason, the Department of Defense was incapable of protecting us from or responding appropriately to the terrorist attacks of 9-11 that somehow we had to create another gigantic agency called the Department of Homeland Security. So thank you, President George W. Bush, for creating that abusive department. And so we can thank President George W. Bush for Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas now <laughs> and his um, handling of the border. And yeah. Now let's look at redaction from a biblical perspective about we're talking about what should be redacted. We gave examples of private information. But the Word of God has examples of redactions. Like, I don't mean parts of the Bible have been redacted, but the Bible talks about redactions in a positive way. So, sweetheart, do you want to give uh, an example of that? I'll back us up just a little bit. When we were trying to decide what to do for your podcast this week, and we were just talking about, like, there's been so much talk about redaction and stuff recently with the Epstein case coming out and things. And we're like, okay, what does the Bible say? And what can we gain from that? But just thinking, wow, we have the ultimate redaction with Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross because he redacts our sin. And there's so many verses in scripture when you start looking into this 
that talk about how we are not charged with the sin against us when we come to Christ and ask for forgiveness. And it's such a beautiful way of looking at redaction. And then you just see the corruption in the world and how they abuse redaction. It was just kind of encouraging to see that contrast in God's word. So one of the verses that I saw was from Numbers thirty-two twenty-three. And this is one that I remember as a little kid. My mom would always tell me this. <laughs> but um, It says, But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. So even if we think we can black out some of those sins or keep them hidden or secret, God sees all of that. He sees behind any of that secrecy and eventually our sins are going to be exposed and we're going to be held accountable for what we did. And so thinking about the fact that Christ, when we ask for forgiveness, he has taken away those sins and nailed them to the cross. Like that's such a huge thing for Christians. And uh, you got a, a verse in their notes kind of explicitly for that. So like Colossians 2.14, where you mentioned Jesus blotting out our sins. So yeah, it says blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So it's like the accusations against us, the crimes we've committed by breaking God's law before him through what Jesus did on the cross. It's kind of like redacting that from our record, redacting the accusations of the law from our record and nailing it to his cross. I loved that verse where it's like just as blotting out the handwriting. Like <laughs> how much were... <laughs> closely related can you get to what redaction means than blotting out the handwriting and the psalmist king david when praying to god david prays a lot about and he seems to kind of reflect the reality of forgiveness and he says in psalm 51 verses 9 through 10 to god hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities created me a clean heart O god and renew a right spirit within me so hide thy face from my sins so don't look at it and blot out all mine iniquities that sounds a lot like redaction the Christian Podcast Community is a cohesive group of like-minded Christian podcasters proclaiming the truths of Christ, truths of Christ with expertise and passion in the areas of theology, church history, Christian living, evangelism, apologetics, parenting, homeschooling, sermons, and much, much more. Much, much more. So check us out at christianpodcastcommunity.org christianpodcastcommunity.org One stop for all your favorite Christian podcasts. So what's interesting, as we get back to talking about how the world, how the powers that be use redaction or abuse it, 
And the abuse is most of the time not in making too much information publicly available, like failing to redact what should be redacted, but the abuse is in redacting too much, keeping things secret that should be made public, and what often results for that kind of thing when there's so much redaction We all know friends, family members, whatever, who are into conspiracy theories. And a conspiracy theory does not necessarily mean that it's bad. You know, like, it just means that you believe that there's several people, several people with power who are working together for a certain devious result to keep things from people who should know. That's what a conspiracy theory is. Just because something's called a conspiracy theory does not, by definition, mean it's wrong. Now, it doesn't, by definition, mean it's right either, but what is often a conspiracy theory factory? (laughs) Well, overly redacting and keeping things secret in high places. So, I was looking at an article entitled, Classified or Cover-Up? The effects of redactions on conspiracy theory beliefs and this well this was actually a kind of a research project published by Cambridge University Press. I can only access the abstract there. You have to pay to get the full research there. But the abstract says, quote, conspiracy theories are prevalent among the public. Governments frequently release official documents attempting to explain events that inspire these beliefs. However, these documents are often heavily redacted, a practice that lay epistemic theory suggests might be interpreted as evidence for a conspiracy. And then toward the end of the abstract, it says, Our findings, which do not vary by conspiracy predispositions, suggest policymakers should be more transparent when releasing documents to refute misinformation, unquote. So this research project, this case study, demonstrated that conspiracy theories are often the product of keeping too much stuff secret. And so, yeah, we know that when we have friends or family that often are very quick to defend government actions... And, you know, there's lots of questions being raised and then they're quick to shoot down the questions. But it's like there's so much we don't know. So we're forced to ask questions and then they act like the very act of asking questions like, oh, you're some kind of conspiracy nut. Like you should just trust them. Like I'll trust them when they're transparent. But if they have to keep so much secret, like, how is that in my interest? It's in theirs, certainly, but not in my interest. And so, I know I've said before to some people, like, hey, if you don't like conspiracy theories, well, then stop supporting things that make them happen. Stop supporting powers that be withholding so much information that it just stirs the pot and brews conspiracy theories. Do you find it interesting that recently with some of the conspiracy theories, you would think that the powers that be would want to release the information and dispel those conspiracy theories, but then we find out the more information that they are finally releasing or making open to the public that actually solidifies what the conspiracy theory was. I mean, for example, we just had our January 6th anniversary and just all the different cover-up 
not necessarily that was redacted because it wasn't a document, but they were definitely hiding a bunch of stuff to make that whole situation seem to be going one way. And then there's people saying like, wait, this isn't adding up. This isn't making sense. And some of the little snippets that they would show, just like you said, raises more questions. And the more we start to question, then the more we're trying to build up logical explanation for what's going on. And they're like, no, that can't be it. You're a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> and then they release more videos or more information. And they're like, oh, yeah, we were right. <laughs> yeah. It's so, so it's, interesting. It's like, I know I'm someone who tries so hard not to feel like I'm some kind of conspiracy theorist. Or I want to question all the theories, too, and not just be quick to like, oh, this is a juicy one. Let me just jump on board with this. Like, you know, I remember after 9-11, there were all these conspiracy theories about how much the government was involved on it. Like, how did the World Trade Center Tower 7 collapse and all the theories about how much heat's required to melt steel. And, you know, there was there a bomb that blew it up from the inside. It's an inside job and stuff like that. Like, I try not to. Like, I just don't agree with them but i think there's something that went on there i think there is something covered up i'm not gonna say it was a bomb in the building i'm not all i think is like well i think the government knew more than they released that's all i could say about it and then i think it's natural for people to try to figure out the puzzle on things like that when there's so much secrecy like let's find these little bits of evidence photographic stuff try to figure out the science of things they could be right they could be wrong but if you don't like conspiracy theories stop trying to hide stuff another example of course that we all know it's like the quintessential conspiracy theory has to do with the jfk assassination this is something that i haven't really studied i mean i've heard people talk about it and then i kind of think okay it's entertaining it's kind of funny how some people are so committed to some of these conspiracy theories and it's like Okay, I, it never really piqued my interest to really get into this, but it's one of the biggest ones that there is. And there's a good reason why there's so many JFK conspiracy theories or how deep they go and how obsessed people are with them because there's so much secrecy about it. And I was looking at an article from NBC entitled, What Are They Hiding? Group Sues Biden and National Archives Over JFK Assassination Records. And I was reading from this article, I learned just how long this information has been sealed for decades. So Bill Clinton signed the Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act of 1992, an act that was proposed, I think, before he got elected. And then when he was president, he signed the act. And that made it so that the JFK assassination records would be unsealed in 2017. So it seemed more like it was, well, we've got to keep this information sealed long enough to where it's like, hey, it's so far in the future. Maybe finally by then we'll be so far removed from the original event that it will be safe to unseal it. 
But then 2017 came and went and President Trump happened to be the one when the clock ran out on this act and he postponed the release until now. We have President Biden and the Biden administration has been avoiding releasing them even though legally this information is supposed to be released. And so my guess is that there's just too many people in power. There could be even older people who were involved earlier on, still alive today, or descendants of people who do something with their family reputations or whatever. There would be some people who would get in such serious trouble from the public seeing this information. We're talking about something that happened 60 years ago, and it's still not public. And it's, we're talking about a president of the United States who was assassinated. Doesn't the public have the right to know if there's truth about it that's sealed? To know exactly what happened? I think that's a public interest thing. So, yeah, we wonder why some people don't trust the government. Well... And being someone who really hasn't looked into this, I mean, I'm sure that there's some huge conspiracy with this thing to explain why we can't really know that information. I'm not going to form any particular theory. I just believe that there's certainly a lot of secrecy that some people really do not want to be made public. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wow. 60 years ago and it's still like truth that hasn't been exposed and doesn't it remind you of in the gospels where it says that the darkness does not like the light yeah (laughs) it's like okay people that want to cover up and hide the sin or hide the truth they want to keep people in the dark because if it's out there the light's going to expose it and they don't want those things exposed and For some reason, I just find comfort in knowing that we know Jesus Christ is the ultimate victor in all this and that everything will come to light at one point because it can be a little bit overwhelming thinking about all the different cover-ups or misinformation that they present to us and different things that we're seeing these last few years. It seems a little bit scary sometimes (laughs) even like what is going on in our world and what else are they hiding or trying to keep from us and instead of focusing on that like focusing on who Christ is and what he says and he says that he is going to come and make everything right and he's the ultimate judge and I think that gives us hope and that we know that who he is and what he says he will do he will do. Jesus said in John chapter 3 that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil so they do not want to come to the light so that their deeds would be exposed. They have the perfect example of Jesus himself saying that they want to redact stuff. They want to keep stuff in the dark and they don't want to bring it to light so that their deeds would be exposed. I mentioned recently, a lot of stuff happening recently, even this last year as we're now in 2024, we had two episodes talking about the Hunter Biden saga, and we sure know that there's a lot of stuff that the government doesn't want to reveal there, and we see that some people who are trying to fight to get stuff unredacted. So last year, the House Oversight Committee had to keep on fighting with the FBI to get them to release an unclassified FD-1023 document. And for some odd reason, they thought that it was important to keep this sealed. 
but it gives important information that we need to know about likely criminal deeds that the current president and his son working in cahoots did. So wouldn't that be in the public information? It's not like innocent people would be getting attacked. But when we want to talk about for reasons of national security, national security should have to do with our security, not the security of elites who want to profit off of crimes. This FD-1023 document mentioned that for Burisma, quote, it costs $5 million to pay one Biden, referring to Hunter Biden, $5 million to pay another Biden, which we knew meant Joe Biden. And First Representative James Comer of the House Oversight Committee and Democrat Jamie Raskin, they both kind of share responsibility for heading the Oversight Committee, but Representative Jamie Raskin resisted this. And then, of course, the FBI, they didn't want to release the document, but finally, like, caving a little bit to say, all right, We'll escort you to the headquarters. We'll let James Comer and Jamie Raskin see this kind of in a secure location. And then you can leave. And then, of course, Jamie Raskin was like, yeah, there's nothing to there to this document. Doesn't say anything. I don't know why they would even want to bother with this thing. And it's like, okay, two conflicting testimonies here. And eventually, Senator Chuck Grassley, who is working with, jointly with the House there for this purpose, released the document to the public. And then he also explained to let the lizard people know, who, uh, refusing to comply, that he already had the document. And he was just trying to see to what lengths they would try to go to delay or keep it sealed. <laughs> so that was an you know interesting tactic that he he did to say like okay they don't know this but i already have the document but i'm going to pretend as if i don't and let's see how hard they try to keep this thing away from the public eye and then so we are what we're talking about just recently it's kind of to usher in the new year right before the christmas holiday and now as the star of this year with a bang what's going on here with some redacted stuff that's trying to become unredacted yeah so we have the infamous jeffrey epstein information that's trying to come out now and on december 5th of 23 so just the last month here we had senator marcia blackburn who did a great job she was grilling the fbi director christopher ray about the epstein flight log and she had copies of the heavily redacted information and just held it up and said like okay we basically got page after page of black cover up here how are we supposed to even make a decision or know how to proceed from here with all of this being covered up and she was complaining that justice was being covered up we have on december 18th that there was a court order to begin unsealing the documents from the jeffrey epstein case now the jeffrey epstein case was back in 2017 hmm Hmm. so it's taken a while to get this information to finally start coming to light kind of coming to light (laughs) yeah we'll see if it'll come to light enough or if it's just going to trickle out So yeah, the next day, December 19th, U.S. District Judge Loretta A. Preska 
ordered documents released and over 150 names of John Doe and Jane Doe's unsealed to start on January 1st of this year. So yeah, so he said, this year starts with a bang where the focus is on kind of batches of documents and names being released. Of course, you know, I'd see on social media, some people saying, you know, pray for her protection. This brave judge who actually went through with ordering this, making this stuff unsealed. We need to make sure that there isn't going to be some hitman coming her way. Mm-hmm. So we have to ask the questions once again, like, why is was there a supposed need to keep a certain name sealed in these documents? Was it something that protects the public, the citizens, or is it something to protect the powerful from being brought to justice? Are we protecting the innocent with redactions or are we protecting the guilty? Is protecting people in high places for having their crimes exposed really a matter of national security? You know, because we see national security being an excuse to redact something that's protecting those who are in government from facing justice for their crimes and keeping crimes covered up. That's not national security in my understanding for a government of the people, by the people, for the people. So we are, as we look at things biblically, in God's perfect justice, no one will get away with redactions. No one will be able to redact their deeds from God, as we see that Jesus said. No one will be able to white out or black out details about their deeds before God. So in closing of this, what are a few more Bible verses that talk about how God is going to unredact the cover-up of evil deeds. So one verse that describes how all of our evil works are going to be exposed is in Ecclesiastes 12, 14, where it says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So even the good things will come out, but also the bad things. And there's not going to be this cover up of, oh, you can only see the good points or you can see a little bit of this, but we're going to hide the bad part of it. (laughs) And that's not going to happen with God because he is just and he is perfect. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 36 through 37, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. What? You mean people can't speak words and have the black boxes around them? (laughs) Verse 37, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Not by what's unsealed or sealed you'll be justified, but by your words. So every word will be brought to justice. And so all the good words, you will be rewarded. And the bad words that you thought were secret, you will be condemned according to Jesus. And so, yes, there will be no sin unpunished. And so thank God for a perfect Savior who paid for the sins because we're all sinners. And therefore, if we don't want to be condemned for which we've all broken God's law, then we need Jesus Christ himself to be our substitute who paid for our sin on the cross and redacted the penalty, uh, redacted the punishment of the law by taking upon himself 
so that that's blotted out from our account, and therefore we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ added to our account, such that the way we're judged before God the Father is that we will have the righteousness of Jesus Christ on our account. And so we thank God for the biblical understanding of redaction. And there is no redaction before God of evil deeds. We thank God for perfect justice, and we thank God that all these evil people who try to keep things secret from us and overly redact things, unnecessarily redact things, well, there will be a time where they will face a just, perfect judge who will unseal it all and judge them accordingly. And so we hope that this episode about redactions was valuable to you. And yeah, we talked about Jeffrey Epstein stuff as an example. And so we're hoping to get around to possibly doing an episode of Jeffrey Epstein pretty soon because like everyone's talking about it. So we might as well talk about it here at Truth Espresso. And so stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso and God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 